for Johnny, I want to thank you for his heart, for your word. I want to thank you, God, for his passion for you. Would you just enable us to hear your word through him this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Great. <clears throat> so I was told to actually use a, use a 30 minutes clock. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, so today's passage, if you have the Bible, please can you take out your Bible or take out your phone? Um, so we're going to carry on from where Phil left uh, last time, uh, which is like a Phil last time finished chapter 2, and then like a, we finish the topic of actually Jesus is fully God and fully human. And now like today, we are going to actually like a move into the chapter 3. However, chapter 3 is very long, and even the title I was given was actually Preparations for the Ministry of Jesus, but it's only part 1. So uh, I decided to actually maybe cut it down a little bit. So I will only read from like uh, verse 2 to verse 19, okay? And uh, so I'll start by reading the word and then like uh, please actually like take out your Bible and read it together as well. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it was written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make a straight path for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. Verse 7. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brought of vipers, who want you to flee from coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thorns of the thorns of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He winnow, his uh, winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Verse 19. But when John rebuked Harold, the church, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done. Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. You know what? You know what? 
I will actually carry on with uh, verse 21 as well, and uh, verse 21 to 22. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Right, so I prepare 10 pages, but then now I reduce it back to like three points. Um, just earlier, um, because I only have 30 minutes. Otherwise, it would take me like probably one and a half hours. Um, so to start with, I would actually say, based on like a verse 2 to verse 21, what we just read, the first message I want to kind of give it to you is actually repentance. The message of repentance is actually what John the Baptist is actually preparing the way for the Lord. The message of repentance is actually how actually John prepared the way for the Lord. The first question you ask, so what does it mean? What does actually repentance mean? When I first actually like uh, prepared this part of the sermon, I was asking myself, and I was like, you know what, I'm a Christian. I asked myself, you know what, I know Jesus. I know Father, and I I'm now filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm saved. Now I'm saved. I'm so secured. But when I actually reread this part of the passage, then I start remind myself how a wonderful gift it was. I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church. So in a sense, it's actually like the message, Jesus Christ, starting from my grandmother, actually started praying with me every night with the Lord's Prayer. I always know actually He exists. God exists, okay? But then the relationship never come to very personal until when I was 30. Before 30, I went to church. I do all the service. I, I serve. I try to serve in the, I don't know whether I mentioned to you guys before, but I, tr I did serve in the, in the youth as well. Then I realized I absolutely have no patience. That's why I stopped. <laughs> and... Um, but only after when, when there was 30, and then I start actually looking at myself and then looking at my lives, what exactly does Jesus really mean to me? Which is the same question what Phil asked, is Jesus in your house last time? What does Jesus mean to me? Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? Then I start realizing a lot of stuff is actually just handling, just, just wandering around my head. Then I actually start getting worried. What does it mean? It brings back me, to, it brings, when I was preparing this passage, it brings me back into that incident, that situation, that moment. What it means is, when John's saying that he is actually here prepared away, just like what Isaiah is, Isaiah is prophesied, actually what John the the forerunner is going to do, he, so that he removed all the obstacles. The scenery was actually like there's mountains, there are like, a, there are like a valleys and stuff like that, make everything actually removed. And the path is so straight, when the royalty, the king, start actually walking across, everyone can see. No one can hide. 
You cannot actually say that I cannot see very carefully, I clearly, because I'm actually standing on the mountain, I'm sitting on the valley, or I'm behind of a, of a corner. Nothing is blocking you. But how do we do that? How do we do that? The first thing is to realize we are sinners. We are sinners. I know it sounds probably a little, this is not a condemnation, but we are sinners because I am sinner as well. I am sinner as well, and therefore, but we have no hope. Besides, actually, with, without God, we have no hope, no salvation. Therefore, the prophecy is simply saying that the forerunner is going to actually preaching a baptism of repentance for people to realize what should we do. We have nothing. We cannot rely on ourselves. I thought my life is fine. I actually like, you know what, I come here to baptize, and that is also why actually when John is actually start telling them, oh, you brood of vipers, why are you, you think actually you can actually just escape judgment of God simply by actually dipping into the water? No. What John is actually saying is, why are you coming here? This is not for you to simply thinking about, you know what, if I dip into water, I am fine. Or some people even say, I'm actually like a, I'm actually like a descendant of Abraham, so I'm actually well suited. You know what? Now I come here and do the ritual, I will be saved. No. What John is actually talking about here, you need to have a proper change of heart. Unless your heart's posture is changing, unless your heart's posture realizes actually like, you know what? We have no hope besides without God. Also, when you actually finally realize our life cannot be just stand still like this, but our life could be better. How is it better? It's actually, actually being reconciled back to God. This is actually why the Messiah was promised. This is why the Messiah is a salvation is coming. The salvation is not simply taking them out of actually under the, the rulership of like a Roman Empire, but it's more about actually now I want you to actually reconcile back to God. So when I was reading this, this is where actually my heart started pounding. Then I realized actually like a f sometimes actually when we attend to church, very soon, or not all of you guys, I'm just saying myself, sometimes actually you will just get so used to and then you forget about why am I here? Whom, to whom I'm actually worshiping? Why I'm singing those songs? Is it just because actually the band plays very nice music and then we sing along? We could simply go to karaoke. But no, but this is serious. Because we're here, because we know that our life is now, our eternal life is assured because of what Jesus has done to be our atonement, to actually, like, to actually pay the debt of our sin. This is my first point. I still do that. <laughs> but then, you may actually ask, in the first part of the, in the, first part of the message from, uh, from John, if you look at it, it sounds like a, he's actually quite, a, quite an angry person. seems like actually like telling them, a little bit telling them off. In a sense, it's like this rebuking, but you can see that John simply, actually, if, if we actually look at the verse, which verse? Yep, the verse 18. Yes, verse 18. What do you say? 
And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. And preached the good news to them. The original word for this particular, uh, the original word for uh, exhorted is, is definitely not condemnation. It's actually with a sense of urgency. John actually is telling them, time is here. The Savior is arriving. And wake up, wake up. And then he did not only pointing them saying that, well, you know what, you're all sinners. And then you know what, you have no hope. No. Then he pointed them to actually the good news, which is pointing to the Messiah, which is pointing to the salvation, which is pointing to the salvation actually come from the Father. And then led them to actually have their heart turned and ready, knowing they're sinner, seeking for actually repentance, willing to turn around, and then willing to receive this wonderful gift from the Father. So this part is actually like a, a just... I would say it, not in my original point. <laughs> Which is, also because today is the Father's Day, so I think actually like a, when we actually start thinking about this whole, whole, uh, whole message of salvation, it's very hard not to talk about the love of Father, isn't it? Then we actually seem to look at this, because when I was preparing, I, I also was thinking about, hmm, interesting, why is it actually like a, John so specifically uh, moving around from wilderness and then to the River Jordan. There probably there are a lot of rivers anyway. Why so specific about River Jordan? And then also, Jesus baptized as well there. If I actually bring you guys back into another story in the Old Testament, picture this. In the Joshua chapter 3, after 40 years of actually like a wandering on the desert, after actually they rebel God, and then so that the promised land is just almost, almost at hand, but actually never able to cross it. Then actually that generation is gone. The new generation comes. The new generation comes. And then before the River Jordan, before the River Jordan, Joshua actually stand there and then actually get the, get the, um, the Israelites prepared. And at that moment, they do one thing. They committed to God. They committed to God. They committed to, they acknowledge, they know that actually that all the previous generation is gone. Now the new generation, they also, actually they do the circumcision, actually like segregate themselves to actually, I committed to God, I committed to God and I actually, you know what, I will actually follow. And this is my commitment and I stay myself as actually be holy, separated. And then what happened? Then there's way actually open. There's a way open. There's a way open by stopping the, 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 the downstream of the, of the river. And then it stopped. And then so that actually the troop passed over. And then went over, to, um, went over to the promised land. Interesting. Because during the baptism... This is when Jesus actually stepped into that water. When Jesus stepped into that water, then actually there's a voice coming from upstairs, from, from heaven, not upstairs, up heaven. Yeah, sorry. Um, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. That moment, actually God speaks and acknowledges 
this is my son, and he is here to do the ministry of salvation. The path, the way is now provided. It's this very same way when John is preparing people's heart to receive. But at that moment, when you were committed, and they also want to point when Jesus stepped there, because Jesus is the way. And this time is even better. Why? Because last time it only the, it's only a symbolic gesture and a foreshadow. That promised land does not last. What is it? It's a real destination for all human beings to start with actually what we mean, what we, what we meant to, what we're destined to, is actually reconcile back to Father. Because of his love is his will. He's loving the world, and therefore his son is obedient, and therefore actually willing in, the, in three years' time, actually taking up the, wearing up the cross and take up the sin. And so that we who accept Jesus Christ, who receive this grace, who receive this mercy, will be able to reconcile back to our promised land, to the real promised land, which is the presence of the Father. So the last point I want to make is, timing-wise. <laughs> um, sorry, I just like, timing-wise, I'm good. <laughs> um, the last point I want to also make is, so what does it actually mean for us, right? What does it actually mean for us? The first thing actually I would suggest is, do we still remember who we were, why we are here, and who we are here for, and who you're worshiping. Do we actually look at Jesus? Because Father said, He is, this is my beloved Son. Do we love Jesus Christ as well? Father loves Him. I don't think you can say you can't, you don't. And He is our Savior, He is our Lord, and He's our friend. First question is, today when you come here actually to worship, let us just remind each other, Jesus is our center. Jesus is our focus. Jesus is our king who is willing to take up that flesh and atone for our sins. Second, as, a John, as John as a forerunner. So what we as a church, actually, what's our role in this world now? Is the world actually getting better? Do we actually see, like, a point, like when we turn on the news, they're only saying more and more things which is not righteous according to the Bible actually is happening, and then being accepted even as acceptable. For example, gender fluid, LGBTQ. We are actually facing a situation where you're facing the world now, basically is almost suppressing us. Basically, we need to accept what the world said to us rather than, the other, rather than what actually God says to us. But so actually, can I remind everyone as well, if we actually want to learn as a forerunner also for Jesus to return as king, actually what we can learn from actually like John the Baptist. John the Baptist in the first two is saying, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. And in verse 3, he went. 
be attentive. Be attentive. There's so many distractions in the world at this point. Basically, sometimes we're just because of even simple excuses saying that we are too busy. And then I, am, I have to say I'm one of those because like, there are so many times, feel sorry, I haven't been to the community group for a long time, that I always use the term I am busy. And now I'm distracted, there are certain other stuff. But when I was reading this, actually I was actually reflecting on how, how, how much I'm attending to actually like uh, the word of God. How much time do we even spend to actually like uh, fellowship with each other, to edify each other? How much time do we actually like uh, the word of God is actually written here? How much time do you actually spend to even like uh, to read it out loud so that you can listen? How much time do you actually spend to actually want to be attentive to what God wants us to do? Or what God wants to remind us to actually live in this world and how we live in this world. The other one is church as a forerunner for Jesus to come back to prepare the way. The other thing is make sure we remind ourselves we need to be humble. There are many times when we simply would very easily forget we're too busy and becomes like Martha. When we're doing our, our, our church, becomes like a chore. And then we have a lot of programs. And then we might actually start thinking about what success actually means. What actually does it mean actually is quite successful. It could be the number of attendance. It could be um, uh, how, how great the, the feedback was on some of the programs. Or maybe like how great the music was. Can I actually come back and ask all of us to remember to be humble ourselves because we are here to serve our great king. And I'm not saying you are, but what I'm saying is just a reminder because the world is actually keep telling you what success looks like. If you're not careful, we're very easy to actually using that standard rather than be faithful and be humble and then we move into like a try to be calculative. And then when this is what, what John is saying, because when, when John actually think about it, right, everyone is expecting, everyone thinks, John, can this person be Christ? John basically says, no. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. He shows the definite obedience and humility to actually serve the Messiah, serve Christ. And the last one is, I pray that as a forerunner, we will all have the courage. Just like what John, even though it's only a very small part actually describing, John actually has no fear because in his mind, what is righteousness? And then his message is about speaking the truth of the righteous God. And when he saw the unrighteous thing happen, and he speak the truth against even the authority at that time, and therefore he was in prison. I pray that actually the church will have, the Holy Spirit will actually bring us with all this, give us the courage to be able to speak the truth in a kind way though, in a kind way. To speak the truth because the, the world needs it. Because this message is not just for Israelite, because it was saying, even prophesied in the Isaiah, so that all human, all mankind 
will see the salvation of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful word that you have for us. I pray that actually today we'll remind ourselves, we'll remind ourselves what are we here for? We are here to actually worship you. We're here to worship you. And we thank you for actually the wonderful salvation, the gift that you actually provide us actually through Christ. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But you actually love us so much that actually you're willing to actually like send your only son, begotten son, so that actually we can actually have this wonderful relationship with you. And I pray that. Show us how. Through this, show us how you love us, and therefore we know also we can learn to love you as well. Because without your love, we are not able to actually spread this fantastic message of the good news of love to the world. And then to show them actually the way is here. The way is here. The way is here is at hand. And they could all also step into this way and having the wonderful, wonderful presence of Father of God yourself together. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.